very good evening ladies and gentlemen uh, once again very very happy and prosperous new year you must have got already so many messages but nothing like meeting personally and wishing each other i think that brings in a lot of positive energy in each one of us thank you for joining us this uh, evening uh, in spite of so many things happening uh, please uh, maintain the social protocol uh, that's why we made sure that we have put a red ribbon so that you get separated and sit on for some time if you think you very really missing your neighbor companion you, you can take a risk but i suggest you don't do that and we are mask all the time uh, in our own interest not only in your own interest in the interest of others who are also joined us this evening uh, before i call upon the distinguished speaker and the uh, chairman of the session who is going to lead the conversation let me briefly tell you uh, another minute i'll take what's happening in mma in spite of december we kept you very very busy we i think we did almost 22 events and thank you for your support for all our events you are the one who made us really go far and much more beyond our expectations to bring you some outstanding program as i mentioned the as a new year gift for all the support and excellent cooperation what you have been doing with us uh, we really want to tell you that we have upgraded our library with the state of art ebook facilities actually we have got over 2000 plus management ebooks plus 1.4 million management research papers from 328 universities around the world plus number of books available in library actually so what i would request you uh, we want really get into the habit of people reading the book and reference and you can come if you're not able to come log in from the comfort of your place but all these facilities are available only for the members of mma but i suggest is really worth it and besides that we have got to complete uh, list of all the talks what you have done over a period of last 7 uh, 8 years numbering almost 600 talks by the outstanding people on different subject we listed out like uh, i mean like youtube all the things are there in youtube like netflix uh, film you can just click and leadership or strategy or thing you can watch again this will be available only for members of mma what i am telling you is uh, your members of mma we want to add tremendous value to you Uh, because you should be proud to be a member of MMA, and as you know, we don't really go and promote membership. We always have the full power of people to come and join us. That is our endeavour to make sure that we give some outstanding program where you believe in value in your membership to MMA. Thanks for really supporting us in a big way. Uh, even what's happening uh, quickly, I want to tell you uh, because of the Pongal, we have kept uh, till the Pongal very easy. Not much. Uh, on the 19th of January, we have event by our Gopalakrishnan, you know, former director of Tata Sons, and also our Srinivasan. They are going to be discussing on the theme pivot for the career success. Again, it's an outstanding theme. Then we have on the 21st of January, we have a discussion on the theme uh, the lean startup, how constant innovation creates radically successful business. Because we focus quite a little bit on startup. you know why we do that that's why india is doing exceedingly well more than 50 plus unicorns and still counting and we have got again outstanding rajesh tinivasan maran nagarajan is a ceo of uh, car technologies and meena chabria is associate vice president of brand alliance uh, pvr cinema we also have an event on 24th of uh, january uh, discussion on the theme demystifying career growth again an interesting theme where we have gobal subramanian chairman of skf india limited uh, mr unikishan who is a uh, managing director of saint gobain uh, uh, then kasturi minobi is from japan then arun shanmugavelu and he'll be in conversation with mr shivaraman this is happening on 24 all this event are happening live i am not talking about the online event will uh, you will be getting a communication about the online event then again on 29th of january we have our annual uh, narayanan uh, pond uh, 
it's the second narayanan pons veteran pons memorial endowment lecture it's happening on the 29th this uh, will be happening online uh, tyagi tagarajan uh, is a senior vice president of glasgow x he will be talking to us and jerry rao founder and uh, former chairman of uh, emphasis is also be there with a lovely speaker outstanding speaker will be sharing their insights you know mr narayanan is a former founder chairman managing director of pons who has done some outstanding work in the field of pons and also we work very closely with pons veterans uh, we do some series of events and now total online is going to happen uh, we will be shortly starting another pons veteran series because we are going to have a round two of all the pons veterans will be doing it shortly so that new theme new subject new ideas will be coming to you coming to today's uh, event and uh, as i mentioned uh, we have outstanding speaker again outstanding chairman who will be leading the conversation both proved uh, to be a good successful entrepreneurs uh, uh, rising from the ashes uh, uh, the startup series under which uh, the chai king founder is going to be talking to us uh, um, ladies and gentlemen put your hand together to welcome mr jabar sidiki uh, who is a founder of chai king and mr shankar uh, founder of cam director of access investment and member of emery may request to please take your place on the dais sir for that one more you and i missed uh, we also have uh, bombay jay street he also confirmed to speak uh, date and time will be shared with you and uh, coming to today's topic uh, shankar will be leading the conversation one thing i read in yesterday's newspaper I was so happy to hear that that india is on the top 5 places really where people are looking forward to come and do the startups and innovative thing even silicon valley i think uh, is one of the outstanding thing no doubt about silicon valley they are producing a shine and people are start moving out and in india we have bangalore in the, all the top five countries where the guys are really looking forward i am our endeavor to do all these events and really encourage large number of viewers watching this program live on our youtube facebook twitter and our live webinar and also couple of students who will be watching please i think startup is the real uh, challenge for you you must take the challenge and you will really enjoy the challenge and you will know why the challenge by listening to today's speaker especially is in conversation with mr shankar let me have the privilege of introducing shankar uh, shankar is uh, from iit madras and from i is also Cal i am kolkata uh, then he is also founder of camps as i mentioned to you earlier and uh, this is one of the provide platform for service of indian mutual fund industry he is also involved in several organizations that promote entrepreneurship as well as uh, uh, both is alba matter personally he has been a great source of inspiration support mma and uh, many areas in which he supports uh, not only in the programs in terms of csr initiatives in terms of putting a process and system governance and many more areas and we are all indeed delighted as a big round of applause to mr shankar for all the support and the speaker this evening and over to mr shankar to take it forward mr shankar thank you group captain uh, i want to welcome the in person audience as well as the people online wish you all a very happy new year today we are going to be talking about a company called chai kings uh, anybody living in the it's certainly in chennai and in many other cities in, in in this state in fact even in hyderabad should have known probably have had the chai from the chai kings there is a slight normally in this series we focus on the early days of the founder the inspirations that he had the challenges that he had and so on in this session i want to focus a little bit more on the challenges part of it because like there are really two industries which suffered a lot during the lockdown which is the street facing retail industry and the travel industry he is in the street facing retail industry and he was just 
at the cusp of massive growth when the problem set. It will be interesting to see how he came through the last almost two years now and uh, back to not only where they were, but back to better than what they were. So I think there is a lesson to be learned here for anybody, any, any company which has suffered through this and in fact any challenges as to how to face them and get over it. Jahabar Siddiq, he's an engineer, he's a techie. As uh, with every other techie, uh, I suppose he started his life coding. But very soon he moved on from coding to the business side. And shortly became an entrepreneur. This Chai Kings is not his first, first startup. He has been a franchisee for uh, large reputed firms such as Tony and Guy, Green Trends, Subway, etc. He started a medical transcription company and a digital marketing company. And this is his, I guess, fourth or fifth iteration at entrepreneurship. There are, I don't know if anybody can guess how many outlets there are. I, I had to see this number twice before I believed it. There are over 50 outlets now and rapidly uh, aiming to reach 100 outlets very soon, maybe in the course of next year. Jawar, welcome to the fireside. Your story of sort of overcoming the challenges, rebirth and rejuvenation, I hope will be inspiring to many small businesses which have been through a similar cycle, right? You are in sense, some sense a serial entrepreneur because you've done this a number of times in the past, yeah? And you moved from employment to entrepreneurship at some point in time in your life. Can you look back to those days and tell us what drove you from a steady, salaried, no surprises sort of job into entrepreneurship, which as you have seen in the recent past, is full of surprises, some of them good, some of them not so good. What were your thoughts and what were the first challenges you felt as an entrepreneur? First of all, thank you so much. Um, such a privilege to be here, uh, to speak to Shankar, to, to be in front of you all. Um, thank you. Coming to the point, I, I, I mean, we, we moved from um, a regular working job to entrepreneurship for a very silly reason. <laughs> We, me and Balaji, my, my partner, we, we were working together almost for about 12 years. Um, every now and then there will be always be discussion about starting something of our own. Though we had complete zero knowledge about what business is all about, what entrepreneurship is all about, we, we constantly will talk about doing our own uh, thing. Uh, only because we wanted to get away from the mundane job, uh, doing everything, uh, same thing every, every day in and out. So we thought we can start a business, we can take our vacations whenever we want, we can be our own boss. Such sort of silly things drove us towards entrepreneurship. Little did we know that it'll, it's going to be challenging, but uh, we thought the box are more um, better and more uh, than uh, in a job. That's how we moved here. Uh, like Sir said, we started off with a lot of uh, franchising um, businesses. Uh, good thing about that was we learned a lot of uh, things through the franchises. If we had started the brand at that point, we might have failed. Uh, because if we had mm, such big brands like Tony and Guy, Green Trends, Subway, uh, Cheesy on Pizzas, all of them taught us how to run businesses. They all had their frameworks done. That kind of helped us. We, we did that for about four years. And then the last was Subway training, which was completely from A to Z of uh, business, A to Z of marketing, A to Z of finance, franchising, all of that. Uh, so the, all of that gave us confidence to start our own brand. Initial, um, when we moved into uh, business and when we did our, uh, started to, decided to do our own brand, when we obviously when we started Chai Kings, the initial, 
issues that we ha had all were kind of, um, I mean, we, we never thought of those issues that would come as an issue in the first place. For instance, when we started, um, nobody was willing to let a, let their places on rent for us. Meaning, we, we, we go neatly dressed, we go in nice cars, who one tells them that we're gonna open a chai shop. People are like kind of not getting, it is not sinking for them. Uh, the jobs that we had, the kind of profile that we are, and the aspiration for us to start a tea shop, they were not able to sink all of that. Uh, that was a huge <laughs> disconnect initially. Uh, we had to really convince them that it will go well. We have to tell them this is how our blueprint would be, this is how the shops would be five years down the line, all of that. And that was one difficulty initially, but that was early days, right? After about 10, 12 outlets, we had the issue. Now we get calls all over, everywhere. Wherever there is a small 400, 500 square feet shop, the first, uh, maybe we are, maybe first or second, people think of us and call us and ask if we want to rent that space or if we want to start checking there. That was one initial, um, hiccups we had and somehow God's grace we got through that. So you have sort of preempted my next question <laughs> which is <laughs> how did you, it beats me, how did you think of, I mean we've all, I have drunk more tea than you have because I'm older than you but it never occurred to me that you could take that uh, little stall and make it into something so sophisticated. How did the thought even occur to you? Did you believe that people will actually pay a price for tea served or is there some concern that the price will be too much. How did you address the customer perception of, uh, of tea served in a slightly more stylish way? Um, see, once we decided that we'll do a, um, see initially even before Chai Kings, we thought we'll do a small uh, non-vegetarian restaurant. That's how we started. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, we were, not, uh, we were not able to really see through that people can come into a small cafe and we can make it to a big business. So we thought we'll do a, a non-vegetarian restaurant and do it from there. But, but since, since it is very capital intensive, we wanted to do a smaller format. We started, we started looking at coffee initially, and somehow that, that, that the discussion that, 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 that got, got us into chai. So, so once we decided that we'll do chai, chai we did a lot of research. We almost about one and a half years spent on um, market study, what is available and what is not available, all of that. To our surprise, there are a lot of brands up north. Uh, there are a lot of brands outside India as well. Uh, but but we had to really see what will work for us. Knowing being here in Chennai for almost since my birth, we've been here. Balaji's been here, so we know what Chennai is, what will work in Chennai, and what will not. Uh, so all of those discussions led us to believe that if we can price the product at the right price, if we can give them the right ambience, not overdo it and give a Starbucks kind of an environment, or give them a hundred chai options to choose from. If you don't do all of that, keep it simple for the customer, right price it and give it at the right uh, ambience and all of that, we always thought the product will work. Uh, you wouldn't know uh, when, uh, when we open, we open four stores in, at a stretch, meaning between three months we open four stores. We will always be there in the stores at that point. Whoever walks into the store would always say, sir, I also had this idea, we wanted to start, but somehow I think people are very hesitant about starting a t-shirt because maybe for social reasons or maybe because they thought it might not work out because people are selling um, for 8 rupees in local t-shops. Uh, so from there, everybody knew that 8 rupees will not work out economically, financially it will not be viable. And again, 50 rupee tea like in a, a Starbucks or a tea trail or a coffee, they will also be not uh, it will not be a mass product, so that is also ruled out. So people are not really sure if you should, uh, where should we position the product. All of that was a difficult thing for maybe for first time entrepreneurs since we were there in the market, we were able to figure out this might work. 
that pushed us into this and we kind of came up with the product. And uh, you know, that, that was a very important point that you made. I, I really liked it. I think that you, you were in the shops most of the time and you took the reactions of customers who came in. And I think that close customer connect is very important, particularly in a retail business. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's very important for anybody else who's opening a retail business. But what was the initial customer reaction? Was it, uh, I mean, were they happy with it? Were they thrilled with it? Where they said, okay, one more, let's give it a shot. What exactly was the reaction? See, um, okay. and when did you decide that, in a sense, the first two, three shops were POCs? And then you decided at some point that this is an experiment that has succeeded and it's worth scaling up. So what was that, uh, when, when did you come to that decision? Okay. See, even before we started, uh, we kind of uh, allocated some funds for this venture. We kind mm -hmm. of put aside an amount and we thought we'll make our, whatever we do, we'll, we'll make this work. If chai did not work, we would have sold something at the okay. shops and would have made it work. I mean, we had to, right. we can't lose our complete life savings. So mm -hmm. we, we thought that is what we'll do. But initially when we decided that chai is what we'll do, chai king is what we'll do, um, when we were there at the shops, when we were there at the shops, the kind of initial customer reactions was very, very promising. But then there is no movement in the shops. There is very, very less walk-ins into the shops, primarily because people are not able to relate to our uh, the shop and the product. And you, you've always seen tea shops in Chennai with a boiler outside, yeah. a guy standing and making tea yeah. there, right? Ours is kind of, you give a small space for customers to walk in and there is a counter where you build and then there is a counter you collect your tea. The kitchen is not visible for the customer. Uh, people are not really able to um, really think of our shops as a tea shop. Plus the name was Chai Kings. Uh, at that point, initially five years back, I think people are not very, not many people would relate Chai Kings to a tea shop. My, my father would say, Chai no Chai Argrapuri. They wanted to keep a tea or a something like that. Uh, but we were very, we, we knew that if we had to go outside Chennai, we had plans. We, right. If we had to go outside Chennai, uh, tea will not, we thought we wanted to always have chai as the name. So uh, people are not really able to relate. One fine day, me and Balaji were kind of having chai outside our shops. Couple of people saw us, stopped, looked at us, looked at the glasses that we have, looked at the name, then walked into the store. Meaning that that's many once or twice they did. So we thought maybe people are not really finding it out. From the next day, we kept a small standee with a, with a, with a tea glass and mentioning chai kings and tea varieties of chai. So the walk-in slightly improved from there. And then um, Sugi and Zomato happened. And that is when, that 2016 is when they boomed in Chennai. And we already had our cardboard flasks ready. So that kind of helped us take the product to all the home. We were in four places in Chennai, but kind of that covered about in around 10 kilometer diameter it covered. Our product went up almost about uh, 10 kilometers surrounding our shops. So all of that kind of gave us a confidence that this is going to work. I, uh, uh, three months down the line, we knew that this product will work. There is very good um, uh, feedback about the product. Nobody is complaining about the product. They are thrilled about the product. I mean, more than being happy, everybody was thrilled about it. People, there are too many walkings, repeated walkings communicate. I'm able to see the customers coming in. We almost knew all the customers coming into our first shop, Kim Park shop. That is where we would be. So that all of that gave us confidence that this is a venture that will work. We kind of had to only had to figure out how the financials would work, right? right. So that is what we did. Yeah, and from there to now, uh, the numbers have kind of uh, multiplied. Yeah, I understand. So, uh, so let's move forward to say 2018 or so. 
which is when you decided that you needed some fresh capital and you decided to pitch to angel investors. Tell me about the pitch process because even for angel investors, this must have been a new proposition, not something that they had seen before. Was there skepticism? How did you convince them? Did they, were there a lot of tough questions? Okay, this uh, venture funding, angel investment, this valuation, all of that was completely new to us. But we, even before we started, we knew this is the route we'll go because we've seen other companies go this route. And the franchising or the debt option is not the right way to, or not not the viable option to scale. Yeah. Um, so we, we knew from the beginning itself that venture funding, private equity is the way to go. Uh, so, but but, we, but even before that, we had to kind of get the product running. We had to have a working model. We had to have a uh, working product in hand. So, uh, we did six outlets in total. Uh, but before that, I had kind of met a couple of investors to see what they would ask, what kind of questions they would ask, and all of that. But they were all very small-time investors. I just met them to figure out their mentality, uh, investor mentality, uh, to be in fact. Then I met one. Um, one of my friend who's at fundraising, he introduced, she introduced me to a person called Piyush uh, in Chennai Angels. I met him sometime in November 2017. He liked the product. I don't know how, why, but he liked the product. He liked the uh, total uh, brand and all of that. He said he'll put me on to the Chennai Angels. So I sent the pitch deck uh, and I presented to Chennai Angels sometime in December, end of December or early Jan I presented. Um, the room is full of guys between 40, 50 plus. All of them are entrepreneurs. All of them have seen it all time. Many, like, you can't bullshit around. Many, those people will figure out. I was shit scared. I, I think that was my first pitch as well. I, I think it went on for about uh, 20 minutes. The pitch was for about 15, 20 minutes. And then the questions were there about for about 10, 15 minutes. Very, very simple questions to the point. I think I answered them, but whatever came to my mind, I answered. Uh, and they said, okay, they'll let me know. I went out. Um, I think there were two or three pitches that day. I was waiting outside. I didn't know what to do. Should I go home? Should I wait? One gentleman came out and he said, um, your presentation went really well. Uh, there's too much, there is a lot of interest inside. Don't worry, go home. Uh, there's none other than Mr. Shankar. I don't know if he remembers. <laughs> he came and told me, I, I was like, who's this gentleman who's coming and telling me? So I went home, I checked who that is, and then found out it was Shankar. Uh, so that is what we did. I went back, and then uh, slowly they came back and told us um, they liked the product. We asked for a certain amount. I think we asked for 1.5 crores. And it got oversubscribed, 2.1 crores. We raised that 0.9. Uh, valuation, all of that was discussed later, but then we were really happy with the way the entire process happened. Uh, the way they received us, the kind of questions came across, the entire negotiation process, and then the DD that happened with Chennai Angels. Uh, more than more than the entire money that we received, we were very thrilled about the entire process. So we, I didn't, I think we didn't negotiate much at the start. <laughs> we just went ahead and took the money and went. From from there on, it it has been smooth with Chennai Angels till, till now. So uh, at this point, I can take the route of talking about your subsequent relationship with Chennai Angels and so on, but I won't do that because this event is about you and your company. <laughs> so uh, 2018 to early 2020, things are humming along. You had money in the bank, you were adding stores, etc., etc. You made an entry into Hyderabad, Coimbatore. Come March 24th, 2020, the world turned upside down. The lockdown was announced. In just Two sentences, can you tell us what went through your head when that announcement came on TV? A complete chaos. When you, you, just before the lockdown came, we opened three stores in 
Coimbatore. We went me and Balaji went to Coimbatore, opened three stores at a stretch. I came to Chennai, the next day was lockdown. So complete chaos, we didn't know what to do. This, this, this is the first time in our lives, man. Yep. We, we really don't know what to do. We kind of completely left our left everything there and made sure that everybody is safe and sound and all of that is taken care of. But uh, time went by, two weeks, three weeks down the line, uh, nothing was very clear at all. I mean, nothing was clear at all. We were not able to. So, yeah, let, let me ask that question. Now, this is the main event, right? Because this is what we want to talk to you about. Uh, all of us here thought, okay, 15 days, then one month, then another month, then another month. In fact, the lockdown is still in force, technically. And who knows, it may come back in a severe form in future also. So, we are still in a sort of thing. Now, tell us first about the period from, say, April to September or October of 2020. Let's break it up into sections. Finances. How did it impact your finances and how did you organize the finances? Two, team. How did it impact the morale of the team, the strength of the team? How did you sort of keep them going, right, in the face of shut shops? And lastly, customer behavior. Frequently, it happens that if as customers, you are forced to do something in a certain way for a long period of time, then we just continue to do that, even after the force is removed, right? Does that affect you in any way? So let's just break it into three parts, spend a little time on it, because this is what I want to understand. On the finance part, um, start of the lockdown, we had funds in the account, to, to be frank. Uh, we had funds to, uh, we had raised funds up, uh, in the end of 2019 to, uh, to do a total of about 55 outlets. So we had only done about 45 and we had some money in the bank. So uh, finance was not a concern at that point. But then we knew that the growth is kind of going to be shunted for a, at least about a year. And if we don't take any drastic measures, we might lose all the money in the bank. So uh, we had to do a lot of um, cost-cutting measures in terms of manpower, in terms of uh, food costs, in terms of pricing, all of that, that one one side of it, cutting costs, that was happening. Um, and also on the other hand, we also wanted to raise another, some more money from Chennai. So we went back to Chennai Angels and told them, we still have money in the bank, but we don't know what the future is for, when this all of this will get over. So we went and told them that we wanted to raise another round. We presented the plan about what we can do during the COVID, how, how much runway we have in terms of the money and we raised one round. It's a small amount, um, not a small, I think we raised about 1.6 crores at that point, so that uh, we are safe for at least for about another one, one and a half years if this continues for a prolonged period. So finance was taken care. Uh, no, we, we knew that even if this goes on for about a year, year and a half, we'll sail through that. Uh, so finance was not a problem. Um, coming to the team, um, um, so the team was, uh, see, everywhere, wherever we are saying, all the FNB, um, anywhere, anywhere else, people are just fleeing from here, right? People are running away, going back to homes. A lot of people are um, uh, sending away folks as well. But but we didn't do that. We only only fact, only reason we didn't do that is because once things open up, I mean, we always thought it's going to open up sooner. But once things open up, we cannot just go and hire anybody and fill the roles here. I mean, that ours is not that kind of. A, uh, business. It's not like uh, Chef Bayes who can who knows tea to prepare. It's, it's all based on processes. So we need people who are trained and trained to be with us when things open up. Uh, so so we had we we cannot we didn't let go of people. We did not send them off. But our kind of um, our workforce is kind of mixed. It's, it's a mix. 
60-60 percent is from northeast who are mainly into the kitchen and about 40-45 percent of the folks are from uh, our local staff who knows Tamil and who handle the uh, counter. So to our advantage what happened is majority of the local staff went back home. Went back home, they wanted to take leave, they went back uh, to their natives and because there is too much uh, numbers are very high in Chennai and down south it is not very high so they all went back and all the Assam staff they did not run plus they did not want to go they, they were all they were with us um, so we kind of had the right balance right numbers to continue with the business uh, even apart from that they were also very um, even before this not only during COVID we had kind of uh, uh, ran a culture in the company that it is, it is like people will be taken care of it. That's the message we've always given, irrespective of COVID or not. Uh, everybody knew that uh, uh, this is not some, this is not a place where we will let go of people when there is an issue and hire when it's required. Uh, so they knew that their job is not at a stake, meaning that their job is well covered, their salaries are covered. We've always given a, a quarters, given quarters for staff to stay. So that is covered. So all of that is there. So people were kind of, okay to be with us, they did not have issues being here even when COVID was here. We just only had to make sure they're all uh, safe, they all have um, the safety measures in place, we just have to take care of that and ensure they don't get COVID and all of that. But apart from that, the team part is fully covered. Customer, customer behavior. Customer behavior, that was the most encouraging part for us during the COVID. Uh, I think between April 1st and end of April is when we had complete shutdown for tea shops. And post that, we kind of spoke to the authorities and had our outlets open. So there are very small window where we can give takeaway from the outlets and we can see huge walk-ins to the shop. So that kind of was a huge morale bust booster for the entire team, meaning people knew that this product is not going to die. I mean, they kind of, there's an assurance for them that even whatever happens, uh, tea or coffee, I mean, tea or coffee could be made at home, right? So in spite of that, in spite of the pandemic, if people are venturing out to have tea and yeah. chai, tea from us, that's that's the kind of uh, double booster for us. So, uh, so customer behavior was in no way um, um, deterrent for us. It was kind of a morale booster for us, the entire thing. So also, uh, is the hygiene factor becoming important or became important at that point relative to the normal chai shop? So the one, there's only one change we did. We see people come to our shop because we, majority of them like the glass cup, that glass cup we give because of the authenticity of the cup. Uh, so that that we had to stop. I Meaning people, people were fearing if it would be right. contagious or if it can't be cleaned properly. We did not have give that doubt to the customer at all. So we completely stopped that. Apart from that, all the other safety measures like screening customers or keeping a sanitizer, having hand gloves, all of that is anyway a safety measure that we always follow. Uh, and top of that, um, when when all the tea shops opened opened up during somewhere down July end of July end August. Uh, we see more customers preferring us because there is this constant thought behind them, behind them that we are, we are more hygienic and we are safer option than right. a proper tea shop. That drove more customers. We could see a lot of new customers walking into that area. See, we have anywhere, I mean, in almost all the shops near us, we have a tea shop nearby, right? We can see more customers walking to us during this, uh, during after the lockdown period because customers started preferring a hygienic option. Not many could afford the price, though it is only about 25, but many people who could afford are moving towards uh, towards us. And uh, the subsequent uh, smaller lockdowns that happened, I suppose they were not that difficult to get over. 
because now you've been through the big one. The second lockdown was not difficult at all to me. In fact, except for one month in uh, April, um, uh, the the curve, the curve in terms of the business, it, it, we came back faster in the second uh, lockdown. People were, it, it felt like as if people were just waiting for us to open, waiting for the lockdown to go, and then they were all on the road. I mean, nothing, nothing changed from the customer point of view during the second lockdown. It was, it was better. Wonderful. So uh, I also want to ask you some questions about uh, the industry and the business model and so on. So uh, I want to stop this uh, uh, discussion about the pandemic at this point in time. Uh, I think uh, everybody, all of us as individuals are affected. The entire world was affected by the lockdowns in a small or a big way. But the deepest impact was really felt by a couple of industries, uh, street facing retail and travel. Now street facing retail by and large has recovered. We can see for ourselves whenever we go out. I think travel will take a little longer to recover, unfortunately. Uh, I want to congratulate you. I think uh, you did all the right things during the tough times. You fortunately had some shareholders who believed in you, continue to believe in you, and supported you when times were bad, which is a great fortune, I suppose. And uh, I am also aware of so many other SMEs, smaller businesses, startups or non-startups, who have also struggled through and who have come through it with, with some difficulty, but they are through it. So I just wanted to congratulate all the small businesses, anybody who's watching. Uh, it was a very, very tough time, probably the only time in the lifetime, hopefully we'll ever go through this. And to all of them who came out, uh, congratulations. Those who are still struggling, don't worry. It's a matter of time, you will also come out of it. Now I want to talk to you about uh, a couple of trends in the industry. Right? Digitization of everything. Uh, my uh, the, the tender coconut guy on the trolley uh, near my house, he now has a big A4 sheet with a QR code on it. So I just have to <laughs> imagine, uh, never in my dreams would I have thought that uh, and it's 20 rupees or something. For you, I suppose, this manifested itself as online orders through the platforms, mainly uh, Swiggy and Zometo. Tell me how you manage that part of your business, right? in terms of costs associated with the platform, unit economics of that segment, whether net-net it's a sort of blessing for you, whether you leverage, uh, and, and I don't know if Cloud Kitchens which you're starting is the way to address that. So just tell us about how you manage that part of the business, because it is relatively new for, for the food industry, only a couple of years old. See, so the, on, the online aggregator part, the Swiggy and Zomato is definitely a advantage for the companies like us. I mean, if it may not be a, a big advantage for a company like Sarona Bhavan or a, or a well-established brands, but for somebody like us, I think I think it's, 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 a, it's a very good thing that has happened. Yeah, I think only because Swiggy and Zomato were there in the initial times, our, uh, we became popular faster. Otherwise, it would have taken much more time. We Initially, we started off with uh, delivery staff in our outlets, we would have about three delivery staff per store, and uh, they can do a maximum of about 15 deliveries each. Right? That that is all between evening five to seven. Mm. That's the peak hour, peak mm. hour for us. If you look at Somato and Sugi um, per day, we do between 100 150 orders a day. So even if I had staffs, even if I had delivery staffs to do that, even good. if I get the orders directly. That is definitely not possible from because because our uh, number of orders are very high. The order value is very low. I mean, our average is about two hundred, right. and we get about one fifty orders on an average per store per day. So, so Swiggy and Zomato is definitely a good thing that has happened for us. 
initially like you said when when we started off in 2016 17 uh, it took us time to understand the model so we were getting orders uh, money is coming in but then it is going out as well meaning there is not uh, the unique we, we had to really work out what the pricing has to be because there is a huge amount that is going out as um, aggregate fee that's about approximately about 25-26% goes out. Then there is about discount that we have to offer on the platform to attract customers. So all of that is there. So we really have to figure out what is the right pricing on the online uh, platforms. Our online pricing and offline pricing is completely different. Uh, slightly Online pricing is slightly hiked up but again we also need to make sure that we don't really hike it up so much that we scare yeah. away the customer. Right? You can't sell tea for 300 rupees. It has to be in the right, uh, right uh, frame. Uh, so that that was the difficult part. Once we got that cracked, once we figured out what could, what is the food cost, what is the discount that we could offer, and what is the uh, aggregator fee, then this model really works wonder for us. Our fifty percent of revenue comes from online orders. Meaning, if you look at it right now in a month, if I can give you the number, it's approximately about one point five crores from Suji and Zamora. That's a huge number for any business. Yes. Yeah. So we really have to work out what. What is the right discount? What is the pricing, and what the fees? And once you got that covered, it, it works in your in your favor. Uh, when you but also there are a lot of other factors that helped us because when we came in, there was nobody else in the market who mm. could give them hundred orders per store. Mm. So that means hundred Zomato guys, different yeah. hundred customers are being reached by Zomato. And yeah. So there was a infighting between Zomato, Swiggy, and Uber. We had Uber Eats as well at that point, so they were right. fighting between themselves to offer us more discount to the customer, offering more uh, discount to us as well, all of that. So it worked in our favor initial stages, now Uber is gone. There is a little <laughs> bit of infighting between Swiggy and Zomato, but then uh, they kind of have their own market shares now and we have a market share, so we kind of slightly bigger now. So it is kind of even. Uh, it is working out for us and it is working out for them as well. Okay, so yeah. what I take away is that uh, you have to address this segment very thoughtfully perhaps with uh, pricing, perhaps with, uh, uh, as I see that you have a cloud kitchen, I don't know if that is part of you this. You, so yeah. First of all, can you explain to people what a cloud kitchen is? You heard of cloud, but cloud kitchen is something new. Let's talk about that and then what you're doing with it. Okay, a cloud kitchen is somewhere where you, everything is the same, meaning just the kitchen would be there, you will prepare the product and you you can send it to customer. You can't, you can give takeaways or you can, uh, service customer service orders through online platforms. You a customer cannot walk in and have buy a tea or a coffee and have it in your shop. It's just a, a kitchen, a small shop. We normally take um, a first floor property where the customer wouldn't walk in. So it's a small property we take, and we uh, just dispatch online orders from there. Uh, that is a cloud kitchen. Neat cloud kitchen is basically you cut down your investment to at least by about uh, 60, 70 percent. You just do the kitchen part, you don't do the customer area, don't do the interiors, seating, furniture, all of that is completely removed, just the kitchen. Your investment is safe and you almost get about 50% of the business uh, through the online platforms. And so in the cloud kitchen, do you have customers actually ordering and coming and taking it away or is it all basically platforms? Uh, we, we, we do have customers who are walking in. See, initially okay. customers would not no. uh, know, but mm -hmm. once they see the, we, we always keep a signage at the, yeah. because the Swiggy guys have to know that yeah. there is a shop, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, time, a time goes, customers would really figure out there is a chai cream shop here and they come and pick up chai takeaways. We don't serve um, the regular cups from there, mm -hmm. but then we give takeaways from the cloud kitchens. Okay, now I want you to sort of look to the future a little bit. 
and I will give you an analogy. In the field of entertainment, OTT and home theatres at home have sort of become the mainstream. So you want to watch a movie, you just watch it on a big screen TV, you get 50 inches, 60 inches, which give you, and you get so many home theatre systems, which give you reasonable sound. And that is the mainstream. People are happy with that. Uh, you go to the cinema, but cinema is an outing. It is not a necessity. You go, you spend a, spend money, buy your popcorn, food, this, that. It's like, it's like going to the mall, you go to the... So, there is now a new balance for watching movies between home theatre and cinema. Probably it is more in favour of home theatre now compared to the cinema. And cinema screens are not proliferating at the rate they used to earlier. What is the going to be the balance between delivery and on-premise dining? Where is on-premise dining still going to be exciting? Is it going to be the occasional exception which you do for birthdays and events and mainly people get food into home? Or is there going to be like, as the pandemic goes away and all memories of the pandemic go away, is it going to be again a lot of on-premise dining? What's your prediction? See, we, we've always thought uh, uh, both can completely coexist. Uh, the online platforms are going to be there and they're going to only grow from here. Um, if you really look at the numbers overall, um, out of, if I take one area, for example, if I take Ananagar, there is, there is about one, one and a half lakh customers registered in a platform, for example, Swiggy. And I get about 150 orders a day. So you can imagine the opportunity that I still have. Right. Uh, so that is only going to grow from there. And again, in terms of the online, uh, in-store dining, uh, I can only accommodate so much, right? Meaning our peak is from four to seven. And I can only accommodate so much. I can only accommodate maximum of about 120, 130 customers in rotation. So I, the, the, both of us, both of them, both of the both the platforms have to exist for us to grow. Right? Meaning the online has to continuously grow, and our stores are getting bigger so that we can accommodate more number of people. So both are going to coexist, and it, we have to make sure that we grow both the platforms broad the options and grow from there. We cannot really broad the options and grow from there. We cannot really rely on one platform or we can bet on one and lose the other. It has to be both and that is what we think. So, uh, is it fair to say that specialty restaurants, say a copper chimney for Indian or a Thai restaurant or a Mexican restaurant, for these perhaps uh, on-premise dining will still be key? Whereas for more normal foods, South Indian cuisine, normal North Indian cuisine, for these things perhaps uh, the customers will not really differentiate between having food brought in and uh, going to a place to eat. Is that fair to say? And two, for restaurant chains that want to expand, is cloud kitchens the way to go forward? Or is more outlets the way to go forward? Or is it a mix of both? What do you think? Say a Domino's Pizza or you yourselves, for example. See, many everybody is um, having their own strategy. For example, there is there is Rebel Foods, mm. which has got about ten brands with them. Mm. Um, they don't have a single store at all. Um, it, it is working wonders for them. Meaning, uh, they, they, are, they are able to generate revenue. But they, they are heavily funded as well. Uh, but again, there are brands who are struggling without a store, only having a cloud kitchen. Uh, they are struggling very very badly to even generate order so it, it's it's it, it's not working out for everybody meaning only the cloud kitchen model is not working for everybody again uh, only the in-store dining like double roti or uh, 
Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, the only in-store dining also is not also working out for them because during the lockdowns and during restricted dining, they are they're finding it really very hard. Once things open up, people always come out and experience it. But during the lockdown timing and during the pandemic, it's kind of got very difficult for them. Right. So whoever has got the balance of both, I think will will really work. Uh, for even for Savanabhavan or Rasanabhavan, they've got both, right? They got in-store, huge in-store dining option, plus they are into full-time delivery as well now. So whoever has got that, Domino's, Pizza's, all of them, that will work. Whoever is relying on one platform is going to suffer. And they might generate revenue, but then they're going to suffer on the bottom line part. I notice uh, many stores opening up purely as cloud kitchens. Nothing, a Rebel Foods you gave as an example. There are others who just have cloud kitchens. How do they make themselves known to customers? Because, you know, in your case, you have street-facing stores. So people walk by, they see Chai Kings, maybe they drop in. So the name of Chai Kings is at least known to the public. Then you go to a Swiggy and you say, I want Chai Kings. But if you never heard of Chai Kings in the first place, how do you go to a Swiggy and ask for a Chai Kings? How do you, isn't there a lot of money required to build the brand then? See, that, 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 that is the most difficult part by doing only the cloud kitchen, meaning customer wouldn't know you. If they don't know you, they won't order. There are still customers ordering from unknown yeah. uh, outlets. There are people who are just adventuring by ordering. There are a lot of people like that. But for a regular consumer like us, we wouldn't do that if we don't know what kind of a brand that is, what kind of a shop that is. Meaning they, they can figure out from looking at our outlets if it is good or bad or hygienic or not. So the most difficult part by running only the cloud kitchen is generating uh, orders. There are a lot of people uh, really struggling to generate orders by only doing cloud kitchen. You need to have a storefront so that the customers see you, there is visibility. All of that. Rebel Foods are able to do that because they're able to pump in so much money yeah. into marketing yeah. and by discounting all yeah. of that. Yeah. That is why they're bleeding yeah. bottom line. Yeah. But there is they, they believe that they can they can do better with time. But if you don't have the firepower, if you don't have the money, you'll not be able to generate that kind of a walk-in by just doing cloud. Perfect. I think so. You answered the question well that you need uh, like any retail store, you need a physical presence to establish your brand. Uh, at least to let customers experience even, you know, the, the, the furniture shops, for example, Pepper Fry and so on, who started as pure online, have realized that they need an experience center for people to come and touch and feel the furniture and place orders there. So physical presence goes hand in hand with online. There is no pure online, pure, pure, pure online model doesn't exist anymore. Okay, so that's been a good session, at, more or less at the end of time. Now, the last thing that I want from you. You have been through one of the greatest tests that a business could have gone through, right? In a generation, in this generation. You have come through reasonably safely and you've come through with confidence in the future and in yourself. Please share a message for entrepreneurs who are facing not only this but any challenge. All entrepreneurs go through challenges in their lives. Some of them are personal to them, some of them are widespread like the pandemic. But we all go through challenges. What is your short message for entrepreneurs? So I think you, you need to have a really good support system is what I would say, meaning I I don't have my partner here, he's my pillar of strength, meaning it, it's good to have someone to talk to, to understand, uh, to reflect what you think about, discuss things and take it forward. I think you need to have a support system in some form, Some for some people it is family, for some people it is it's, it's your partner, some people it's your investor. Uh, so if you have a good support system around, you can't build it during a difficult time. You need to have it along 
when you start, right? Meaning you have to build it along you when you build your business itself. I think that is what will take you through. We need to have sound people. We have, I, I have really good set of investors along with me. Meaning I, I go to them for the right um, advice. Meaning I don't go to them for everything there, but there are certain departments I know they are really good at, so I go to them for that. Balaji is a very good sounding board for me. I go to them, I go to him and ask what is required, where he is good at. So I think that is what has taken 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 me, taken Chaiking so far. Uh, I think I think you should really build that when you build your business. Truly fantastic answer. I think that you cannot understate the importance of a support group, whether they are mentors or as you say investors or partners or just your family. You need that support. Entrepreneurship is a very lonely profession and uh, there are deep dips in morale and in, in situation and you need somebody to talk it through. Very well said. Thank you, Jawai. I had a... One last question for him. How do you cool off? Other than drinking your chai, what else do you do? I'm always cool. <laughs> Man, I'm not that kind of a character to get worked up. I mean, it's always, uh, it's always cool. Um, like again, meaning there is, if there's anything that, has, that is bothering, there is Balaji. He's, he's really good at uh, talking about general stuff, meaning uh, you, you give him a question, he, he can really come out with very, very sensible answers. So I think apart from that, I, I don't think there is nothing troubles us that much in this profession apart from just need to keep planning and doing things the right way. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. You move into Q&A, a brief Q&A. Yeah. One, one, one second, we'll come to you, sir. That's it. We'll get the microphone. Yeah, thank you. Now, uh, since the people who have come here, they'll have the privilege of asking the questions. We also got a number of online questions. We'll go to them. Please be brief and uh, tell your name uh, so that it will be easy for them to respond. You also address the question to the Shankar or to the speaker. Make it very clear. Please, sir, go ahead. And before that, I also tell them uh, we have over 1,050 viewers watching this program live. And uh, thank you so much. It shows a clear interest in the entrepreneurship. The question is to the speaker. Is cloud kitchen anywhere related to centralized kitchen? If not, how many cloud kitchens do you have in the city? We, we don't have a centralized kitchen concept. All our chai is prepared at the outlet and the snacks are uh, bought from outside. We have a uh, vendor who supplies us different uh, snacks. So there is no centralized kitchen concept with us. But we do have cloud kitchen. We, we don't have many here. We had five cloud kitchens earlier in Chennai. Uh, so, but as time went by, we had converted those cloud kitchens into a full-time outlet. We had cloud kitchen in Perambur, Krompet, Medawakum. So we have converted all of that into full-fledged full retail outlets because there is more demand for uh, from customers who wanted to come in and experience the outlet. So those cloud kitchens we have shut down and we are opening, we've opened outlets there. We only have one cloud kitchen now in Chennai, but wherever we go, wherever we are going to new city, for example, we have plans to go to Bangalore, uh, all of that. So we have kind of uh, have uh, planned to have outlets in the central Bangalore and have cloud kitchens in the slightly peripheral area so that there's not going to be much business from there, but we still need to be present and uh, deliver our products. So that is the plan. We'll have outlets in the central area and have cloud kitchens in the peripheral area. Once that is also becoming bigger, we'll convert that into a full-fledged outlet. 
I want two clarifications from you. First thing is, how do you maintain the product differentiation? That is, the tea from Chai King, you know, how it is different from others? It's a basic question. I have not seen that. That's one thing. And the second thing is, and the business means, you know, I think you seem to be a very balanced person. So, you have a lot of ups and downs. Can you share any technique or any methodology with which, you know, you anchor yourself in morals? All the time. Can you share that? If you can, this should. So about the tea part, um, see, tea is a very basic product, right? You can't completely give a different thing about it. It has to be the same tea, right? Like at home, but you can you, you can infuse quality in that. You'll have to really make sure uh, the tea is of good quality and consistent. You can't give a completely different tea, and people won't drink that. People want the same tea that they drink at home. So we kind of made sure that these, the ingredients that we use are of same quality and uh, the process that we do now, meaning the, the process that we had when we started the outlets, that has not changed. If we had used a certain kind of a sugar, certain kind of a, a sugar, um, tea powder, we have not changed that, we have not reduced uh, the quality of that, we have consciously maintained that. So all of that is making sure that the tea is of certain quality and it remains there. The process may not. So the tea is not any different, but it is consistent, and that is what making us click. We have 55 outlets. Masala tea in all the 55 outlets will always be the same. Meaning, I can. If anybody is complaining, we always get complaints. Right? Customers would say, "Your masala tea is bad. Your ginger tea is bad." I I I know for a fact that is not the case because unless there was an issue, I, I normally go back whenever I get a complaint. I normally go back and check which outlet, who made it. Is it a new guy or old guy? Is it new milk or old milk or any issues ginger? If those things are covered, I know for a fact that the tea cannot go back, right? But if, if there is a new guy in the outlet who is only about two months old or one month old, if the ginger was slightly not good because of the quality that we received. We might have an issue, but apart from that, I am very, very confident that the process is the same. The quality will remain the same. So, the tea is the same. Consistently giving it is what making us click. <coughs> that is one. Second point about uh, the ups and downs in the business. I think I am about forty-three years old now. I've seen few things, so I know for a fact that any corners you cut, it will only come back to bite you. Right. So, we've made sure financially, statutory. Um, all of that in terms, yeah, all of that is really maintained well. Uh, there is no um, corners cut and no shortcuts taken. So and and make sh making sure you're uh, financially disciplined, right? So all of that is kind of helping us have come, help uh, help us come through here. Yeah, uh, I also read somewhere we use induction stoves every shop so that the heat is maintained uniformly. That's a very important factor. Is it yeah, true? With, with the gas stove, we will not be able to figure out how much it is heating and for how much, how long it is heating. So here we have, you can, certain teas, we only do it at 700, 800 degrees for two minutes. Certain teas, we do it at 2000 degrees at for five minutes. So that is that is also helping us. When we ah. did the process itself, we made sure this is what we follow and that has been the same so far. Yeah, yeah please go ahead. Uh, how about the competition in your business? And uh, would you like to see yourself as a Chai King in, in the long term or would you like to diversify? See, comp competition is, there's huge competition here in Chennai. Every every week or so I at least see a new shops 
new similar model uh, coming up. But then the opportunity is also so much. Um, when we started, when we did the market study, there are about 15,000 tea shops in Chennai alone. So compared to that, I think that must have grown to at least about another 2,000, 3,000 shops. So compared to that, we only have 55, right? So we are directly competing with them. We want those customers to walk into our stores. So when we were competing with 15,000, 18,000 tea shops, another 20, 30 brands is not an issue. So what we need to do is we, when what we did when we started up, and we just need to make sure that we continue with that and don't dilute the entire thing. So that is what we're doing. We're, we're watchful of the competition if there is anything really new trend that is coming up, but then really not bothered about or worried about the competition. Competition is good. It will only help us get faster, get better. Uh, yeah, please go ahead. Say your question. Gentlemen, you, yeah. He was asking about diversification. Yes, please. Uh, not really, uh, not new plans at this point, but uh, there are a lot of variety, there are a lot of option opportunities to um, add a lot of other products, add a lot of uh, uh, beverage as well. So that we are doing. Completely diversify into a different uh, domain or a different uh, product. With a lot of thoughts, but then we have not really um, working on that right now. We, we have a huge plan for Chai Kings, and if everything goes well, I think we, should, we want to be consolidate a really good position in Pan India level. That is what the focus is right now. Very good evening, sir. So I'm Parkavi, uh, pursuing my MBA second year in Savita School of Management. So how did you position your brand, sir, in the market? We, there are multiple options around it. When we started, we could have positioned us as a niche brand or we could have positioned as a, a brand that is, that'll uh, be, uh, that'll be for the masses, like sell a 8 rupee or a 10 rupee chai so that we can get huge crowds. So there are multiple options in front of us, but we really wanted to see what will work for us, what will differentiate us to an extent. So we thought, um, 18 to 40, that's the crowd that we wanted to target, right? That's the office going, college going, um, uh, urban middle class working community is what we wanted to target. Um, but but that, I mean, even if you look at it, our 95% of our customers even now is from that segment, though we have customers coming from both the other end of the spectrum, but that is our major uh, target segment our entire everything else is a store ambience or seating or pricing or billing everything is kind of uh, made made for that segment so that, that is our that is how we position it so gentlemen yeah just wait he's, he's waiting for some time you will get a turn again yeah please go ahead i think most of yeah, go ahead thank you jabbar for a great session on how you start just wanted to know your model is what? Is it a uh, franchise model or is it that you own all the outlets? No, all our outlets are owned by the company. Uh, we did not go the franchise route uh, because initially when we were very small, we thought we might not be able to control the franchise. We control the quality of it. There are too many. When we were looking at growing the brand, our energy would have, we wanted to spend all our energy on growing the brand and not managing the multiple franchises. So we thought this is the right way and we, all our outlets are company owned. Uh, yeah. this, case, uh, this question came to mind because you are so quality conscious and with a franchisee where you in a position to maintain that quality. That was a basic thing. Second, I just want to know. How long does it take for you to break even? You know, it could 
be an average, uh, it could be any outlet for that matter. Which was your shortest uh, time taken to break even? See, we have multiple formats. We have retail stores, we have metro outlets, we have IT parks, cloud kitchens, we have malls. The break-even period is different for each uh, model, each format. IT parks are like breaking even from second month, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. that's a regular uh, captive audience there. Um, retail outlets take the longest time because its the investment is slightly higher there. Plus, um, uh, when we go into a completely new area, it used to take almost about 15 months for us when we were new in Chennai. Now it takes somewhere anywhere between eight to nine months for us to break even in Chennai. Hyderabad and Coimbatore is slightly longer. Uh, data is not correct because the time is also affected by the pandemic, so we don't have the right data, but it will usually be longer in uh, cities outside Chennai. Good. I think we got number of uh, questions online. We'll get back to you again if your time permits. If you have any questions, keep it ready. Uh, yes, we'll get back to you. Let me take a couple of online questions. Uh, people are waiting there. Here's a question from Mr. Raghu from Coimbatore. He says, sir, when you left uh, your steady job to start your own entrepreneurship, was there resistance from your family? How did you overcome this and what's your advice on this? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I was running quite well um, family I, we come from the first meaning I think I'm the first entrepreneur in the entire family my father was working in a bank my partner's father was also working in a bank they were asked, they were all used to steady incomes and they are actually very happy that their sons are working in IT their families all of that marriage is not done they very happy with that when suddenly when we obviously when we went and told them that we wanted to leave the jobs and start off they were not very really very happy, but mm. they also know us, right? I mean, they also know uh, my character. They also know Balaji's character. They know that they will somehow get through. Their initial resistance, they wanted to say that, can you do both, all of that. But eventually, they gave up. We did. I remember one of the entrepreneurs, when he spoke, he said, uh, the parents told them, Luckily, we were married then. <laughs> Good, sir. Uh, here's a question from Mr. Stiram from Chennai. Uh, he said uh, he wants to know, sir, you are basically a techie. How do you manage uh, the financial, you know, especially handling the venture capitalist and investors, investment uh, organization, and keep them in good humor all through to make sure that your project is, you know, see the, uh, it's very successful. Okay. Finance is the tough, toughest part for me, but um, I, it's it's also max right so i always made sure that uh, i always know what is coming in and what is going out so that kind of a clarity i always had uh, but I, I had right people with me to manage finances right oh. from the beginning uh, different level meaning when we were small when we were seven outlets eight outlets type i had a guy to manage that kind of a setup when we were 20 plus i had a slightly better profile and now i really have a very good team managing finance that that's one core area for us uh, because there are too many transactions with little, uh, the numbers are very low, 25 rupee transaction, we have so many transaction days today. So the finance team is the strongest in the entire company. Uh, but we have the right people. Yeah. Very good input, sir. Take the help of the people in finance is very, very strong in an organization. The Shankar knows that how much he <laughs> focused on the finance. Is uh, a question from Mr. Joseph from Pondicherry. Sir, I'm planning to start my own venture I'm always been advised by many and including the entrepreneurs not to be very ambitious and plan what you think is manageable, not big plan to big uh, ventures. 
do you think it's a right advice what is See, he getting it's absolutely based on the individual what i think i am not someone who can uh, talk ambitiously right I, i i can't go into a room and say that i will do this do that even in chennai when they ask me what is your plan i told them five years i'll do 100 outlets but but the way i said it they would have figured out that this guy is not confident right because <laughs> i am running six outlets and i'm telling them that i'll do 100 i myself was not very 100% sure but i meaning i know that i have to go there but we are not very 100% confident about it so i am i am not that kind of a person even balaji my partner is not that kind of a, a character to talk uh, that way but again it again depends on the individual how aggressive you are what is your capability what is your capacity i think i think only that individual knows it better uh, so you have to listen to yourself before doing it taking advice for um for how to do things is not the right way is what i think mm. you, you can go and ask someone if this product will click or if this what do you think about this product or uh, feedback about certain thing but you cannot ask someone what should i do or what should anybody else do i don't think it will work they can, i can only give advice from my perspective it might not work for you so we have never asked it so i think nobody should ask about whether they should do it or they should not do it we got another five minutes i'll try and excuse and ask many questions as possible here's a question to me shankar sir you are a very successful entrepreneur and uh, what would you do if you have to be enter entrepreneurship presently and what do you think is the difference between then and now sir? sorry just he says you are a very successful entrepreneur yeah, fine and what was it then and what is it now would you enter the entrepreneurship then or now which is the ideal situation today i think entrepreneurship is different between then and now uh, now as uh, jawahar said there are models of entrepreneurship there is a conservative model where you sort of uh, say what you uh, slight stretch target and then there is also a model of entrepreneurship where you say you're going to go to the moon and there are people willing to write you a check for that as well so there are more opportunities for entrepreneurship today than earlier i personally belong to the slightly conservative type so if somebody said you know do something climb mount everest and i'll give you a lot of money else I, i can't do it but a smaller mountain maybe i don't mind trying so uh, uh, the 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 ecosystem for entrepreneurship is outstanding right now there was no ecosystem uh, 20 years ago right you had to uh, i mean there's no question of anybody giving you money uh, it is a, you go to the bank you borrow uh, getting equity from somebody else was really a very very difficult uh, it, there was no such culture uh, entrepreneurship was not respected socially as a profession this is the comment that you made ponnu kudukka matanga it was true it was really true and fortunately you know i was married when i so it was too late for them to change their mind so yeah many things have changed uh, most importantly the acceptance of entrepreneurship in the in society as a viable form of uh, gainful employment for young people right and they are not wailing away their time i think that is the one very strong change that has happened in society that has enthused a lot of people to get into entrepreneurship so yeah, i mean if i were uh, 30 years younger than i am now I probably i would do it again all over again absolutely oh, great sir here's a question from a professor from the college sir large number of my students are watching this program uh, what is your word of advice to the people who are sitting on the fence to plunge into the entrepreneurship role and uh, what they think should have a safety net around them before taking a decision to get into entrepreneurship again again depends on the individual if someone is just out of college 
i don't think he should be worried about anything and just get into entrepreneurship if he has the right uh, mind to it right uh, model and right business uh, idea but obviously if someone is really married and has got a family if he's already got his emi and all of that definitely needs to have a safety system um, with him right when we ventured out i kind of luckily did not have emi but then i've kind of had certain amount of savings to get me through some period before everything kicks in so it again depends on the individual i was listening to elon musk one video yesterday he was saying he just came out of college and didn't know what to do yes. and he just started because there's nothing to be worried about he said he just need a place to stay and eat so he said in this economy that is that is really doable right anybody can find out find a place to stay and find money to eat nobody is going to stop so if you are at that phase you just have to venture out we always me and bolaj always think say speak to say to each other that we are at least 10 years late to the entrepreneurship right? mm. so when you have the option you just get into it good sir we want to get married get married to a woman who is well employed and get take care of you any questions uh, from gentlemen yes uh, yes i can i think you already all the questions that lady there i will put we will try and give an opportunity to more people to ask the questions the lady that is sir uh, i would like to know that how do you convince angel investors to actually get uh, going and interested in your project suppose i am an entrepreneur and i would like to convince somebody to get uh, invested in my project so what kind of detail and what is the things what are the things that i should actually look at and how should i be prepared yeah, i think that's a huge topic Uh, it again depends on um, uh, at what stage you are. When when we went and presented our model, I think we had a working model. We had from from our side, I've already put in a certain amount of money in the company, so they know that I am invested in the company, kind of married to the idea. They know that they knew that. Plus, there were uh, six outlets were running for almost about one and a half years, so they've seen the product. They know the product is kind of working, so that is kind also kind of covered. And they, when I, when I, when we presented the plan of what we're going to do, and they, I think they thought that it is realistic, and uh, and our track record of they must have definitely done a um, background verification on myself and Balaji, and that must have also come out well. So all of these helped us. but again not necessarily this should be the uh, thing that that has to work for everybody else there are a lot of people who just have an idea and can convince people and get uh, get the money right so it's about the individual it's about uh, the business idea and it's about how prepared and ready that individual is to get into this i think it's going to differ from everybody differs from entrepreneur to entrepreneur differs from investor to investor yeah one last question from the audience before we move uh, uh so the young man is waiting there would you like to ask him yeah please go ahead yeah, go ahead go ahead we'll come to you next good evening sir myself mohammad musaddiq and my question is as you mentioned the chai kings outsources their products other than the chai how do you think that is you know profitable in the long term sir or does chai kings is planning to you know start their production of their own the bakery products so we we buy the bakery product from from a vendor who has been in the industry for almost about 50 55 years so uh, they are able to give it to us at a very good price uh, plus the quality has been the same for almost about 5 years now 
but again we we, we buy different products we, we buy kakra we buy cookies kutti samosas donuts uh, and then variety of snacks it, it is not going to be easy to prepare all of that from our own uh, kitchen uh, at this point uh, but uh, we definitely have plans to start our own kitchen because because we have about 50 outlets here in chennai uh, we can have a centralized production unit to uh, take care of that we have plans to do that but wherever we go to a new city where we have 10 outlets 20 outlets we might not be able to do that and have to rely upon vendors from their side so it as we go on as we move on i think it will be a mix of both our own production plus outsourced vendors yeah one last question yes last questions i have used your uh, i have drunk chai king uh, on a carton a carton at the first uh, look, look uh, did not look very nice but i found it very excellent can you throw some light on how what carton how i mean it is able to eat but it's very very simple like cardboard box practically uh, that is a used cardboard box you just cut it and use it that kind of thing is there uh, say so look at it I, i was not impressed because of the fact that it, uh, it did not look nice but and i used it and i found that it can take the heat and of course it is very simple sir can you throw some more light on what is that exactly that that has an aluminum pouch inside um, which can retain heat almost for about 50 minutes um, it, the aluminum pouch that entire pouch is medicinal grade uh, it used to be very costly when we started off not many people had it in chennai um, uh, it used to cost approximately about in the range of 30 35 bucks before Uh, when we started off and we had to buy in bulk 10000 or 20000 is what we had to buy uh, so not many people had it at that point it worked in our favor initially um, and the outer cardboard box had to be manufactured here the the pouch came from china initially and the box had to be manufactured here uh, luckily we had uh, friends who were into that industry corrugated boxes industry they did the box and that is not a reused uh, cardboard boxes they are fresh virgin boxes uh specifically made for this excellent uh last two questions sir is a question from the youtube uh, it says what's a kind of support system an entrepreneur should have to be highly successful in a startup ventures like yours it it could be from both from the government from the friends from the venture capitalists what do you think what kind of support system an entrepreneur should have to be highly successful in a startup ventures like yours i think we need to have the right team uh, see from when we started off we we from the beginning we always had a marketing team we always had a finance team we always had uh, a team that manages supply chain all of that but we need to have the right team right we we can't i, I really can't have a team that cannot be uh, managed by I me mean, i can't have a bigger team than what is required I, at the same time i can't have a smaller team than what is required i need to have the right kind of profile at the right time build the support system along i mean uh, every every now and then i meet um, uh, mr uh, from from green trends ceo and all they always the one thing they say is as you grow build your team along you cannot suddenly realize that you need to team and start building your team it it cannot it, it, it won't gel with your entire company you need to have a team from the beginning slowly grow the team as well people you need to have people who been with you from the beginning grow with you along with you and grow the business as well so you need to have all the departments covered from maybe one person doing three jobs initially but then you as you grow you have dedicated personnel from each department each role and grow from that so all the departments everything you have to get it covered have the right people excellent sir here a question from a student he says sir i read in a newspaper 
Zomato had almost 2 million orders on the New Year Day 31st. What's your numbers, sir? I really don't know. I'm very sorry. I think New Year was a kind of a damper, I think, 31st because of, one, because of rain, and another because there was a coffee till about 11 p.m. Uh, so I think it did not do very well on a New Year Day. But December has been excellent. Um, I, I think we did the highest uh, sale in Jan 2020 and after that it has always been ups and downs because we did October uh, it was good, uh, November was again bad due to rains and I think December we did the highest uh, revenue so far. It was, it was really good. December has been really, really good in spite of the rains in the last two, three days. Great sir, one last parting question. Startups are all looking at IPOs. What's your view? <laughs> Very, 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 very long shot. It will be like, um, I, I told them 500 outlets in five years, right? So th that's the same conference I'll have when I say that I'll go IPO now. But uh, meaning obviously that, that's the final exit for anybody, but that's a very, very long shot. And it is, it is like I said, meaning if you asked me through three years back, if it was doable, I would have said, what is, I would have asked you, what is IPO? But now I know it is doable, uh, but, but again, it, it is very, 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 very far ahead. There's a lot of things that has to happen before that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mr. Shankar. Any closing comments before that? I just wanted to reiterate that we are so proud that we have entrepreneurs like you in Chennai. People always say Bangalore is the heart of entrepreneurship and so on. But, you know, the unfortunate thing is we are very unassuming people. We don't go around beating Tom Tom saying, I did this, I did that. And people take that to mean that we don't have entrepreneurs. No, Chennai has some very sound, very successful entrepreneurs, and you are one of them. Thank you. <coughs> thank you so much, uh, Ms. Shankar. I think we'll be Thank you so much. It's a masterclass on entrepreneurship. Really appreciate it. Shankar, may I request the president number two? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for your uh, uh, support and uh, listening and asking so many questions. That's what makes the event very interesting. Thank you. Stay, stay, stay healthy and keep forwarding. If you're due for a second vaccine, go and get it done. If you're done after your second vaccine, get it done. MMA is planning quite a bit of them. We need any help. MMA will be more than happy to support you in your vaccination program. Thank you so much. Just, uh, get back home safely. Stay safe, stay healthy. And good night till we meet again. Bye-bye.